0: What's the difference between a narcissist, a psychopath, and a sociopath? That's what we're talking about today at QueenBeing.com. Let's get started. My name is Angie Atkinson and on this channel, I offer free daily video coaching to help you discover, understand, and overcome narcissistic abuse and toxic relationships. That sounds good to you, hit that subscribe button and let's get going. A lot of people have been asking me, what's the difference between a sociopath, a psychopath and a narcissist? It's a complicated answer, but we're going to work through it today. Sociopaths, first of all, psychopaths are people who are born psychopaths. Sociopaths, on the other hand, are turned into sociopaths. Where do narcissists fit into this? We're going to get to that. Let's start with sociopaths. Okay, they're different than psychopaths because number one, because number one, they are not born sociopaths, they are born normal and something happens to them in their lives that turns them into a sociopath. Whatever the circumstances were, something happens to them and they become a sociopath. See, when we're born, certain things affect the way our brain function works, the way our neurons work, the way they're developed, the way that we interact with the world in general. Various experiences that we have over our lifetimes lead to our personalities and who we are. So depending on what you go through, It affects the way that your brain's neurons connections grow. So when you're spoken to and you're read to by your parents, then your language neurons are nourished and they grow. If not, they die and you could lose the ability to have language. So that's why sometimes when you know, they found like feral children who somehow have managed to not to survive alone in the woods for many years or whatever, very rarely do they have normal language skills, if any, especially if they were removed from their families prior to gathering language skills. Now, in some cases, sociopaths can actually be sort of cured or reversed with really serious intervention and intention on their own parts in their adult lives. If you raise your children in such a way that you raise them with constant pain, abuse, neglect, you could create a sociopath and that may be where sociopaths are created is in childhood and that's generally the case because of course the way that their brain function works is affected directly by the way that their experiences unfold in their lifetime. Now, let's talk about psychopaths. Psychopaths are born. So when raised the right way, when you give them the right kind of motivation, certainly they can change some of the interactions that they would have with the world, but it doesn't cure them. They can't be cured. That's one difference between a psychopath and a sociopath. Then again, it doesn't change who they really are. So, while they will often be well integrated into society and you may even know and love a psychopath, they're actually quite the opposite. For the most part, psychopaths are incredibly charming. People want to be around psychopaths, people will just sort of flock to them like, like, you know, bees to honey. But the thing is, a psychopath doesn't need anybody. They don't need people to function, unlike a narcissist. So there's one difference. So while a narcissist needs you to give you give them the good supply to feed the ego, a psychopath does not. A psychopath has no need for your approval. You could put a narcissist in therapy and if the narcissist meant to get better, intended to get better, the narcissist could potentially produce results. As I've said repeatedly, I've never seen it and I've never heard of anyone who's seen it, at least not in a way that it would be a long lasting thing. But what it comes down to is a narcissist is just sort of a shell of a person. They have nothing of their own. They have no real self. Does that make sense? And the truth is they would love to become the magical idea of the person that they believe that they are. So sociopaths are manipulative and emotionally unstable. So in order to reach a sociopath, you have to really dig deep with them. If you're the therapist working with them, The, the therapist will have to teach basic empathy skills, basic things like this, whether or not they'll actually do the work is the whole other side of that coin. Narcissists, as you know, generally won't. Sociopaths, as you may suspect, also generally aren't interested in changing unless they're forced to because of legal issues. So when it comes to psychopaths, they're going to be a lot less likely to think that there's anything wrong with them at all. They know, this is the thing about psychopaths, they're aware that other people think something's wrong with them, but they don't really care. They only change their behavior in order to facilitate their goals or desires in society, just to get along unless they are on the other end of that spectrum. Some psychopaths would never kill anybody. They just don't have a need for people or emotions. It's almost like they're machines, but it's something with the way their brain is wired. Every now and then you'll see a mask slip uh, and and you'll see that the true psychopath. I don't know if you ever watched Breaking Bad, but I was really into that show. And the reason I'm thinking of this character right now is because of the new spin off, Better Call Saul. The character Gus Spring is an excellent example of a psychopath. because you see, he's, he's totally polite. Everybody loves him who doesn't know about his secret drug stuff. He's actually very kind to his employees at the... Chicken place he works at, and you never see him sweat. Even that, if, if you watch the original show, when when the guy dies at the end, he kind of walks out and straightens his tie and falls over dead. You know, <laughs> so. It's interesting the way that plays out. So you aren't often going to see that with a psychopath. You're not going to see the mask slip. If you do see it slip, it's generally because they've become comfortable with you or they had just become a little sloppy, lazy in their manipulation and interactions or they don't mean for you to be able to see it. And this is the thing about empaths is that we see it and they don't like that. So be aware of that. That could be if you are with a psychopath, that could be part of the reason that all of this works in that fashion. So they're not going to tell you there's anything psychopathic about them. They're not going to tell you about their strange crazy thoughts, etc. But you will not know because they're very adept at not showing you who they are. They're very adept at wearing that false mask, the false self, just like a narcissist. They're very convincing. So again, psychopaths are born psychopaths, generally because of chemical imbalances that occurred outside of everyone's control to having to do with genetics and some people suggest it has to do with the mother and her self-care during the pregnancy, but that is iffy. They're more organized than your average sociopath and generally they don't have as many bursts of rage. Occasionally they'll pop one off, but it's rare because I think their emotions are so below the surface that they aren't affected in the same way as normal people, if they have emotions at all. When it comes to sociopathic people, their issues have developed over time. So before puberty, most of these people are dealing with a bad upbringing or some very traumatic or tragic event in their life that changes their wiring. They don't come out that way, they're made into that. Genetics probably may play a part because we all have been through some tragic things and not all of us are sociopaths or psychopaths. As I explained, sociopaths are disorganized. They are also much better at understanding and manipulating people. And I think the reason for this is because at some point in their lives they may have been more like neurotypical. They may have been more normal until this tragedy happened and so they may still be able to recall how it felt to be this, that or the other thing. So a sociopath could still appear to be an empath. How about that? That's scary stuff, huh? Sociopaths They get the rules of society and generally while they may appear to follow them. Mostly they don't they disregard the rules of society Narcissists then are people who have a more sense more more of a sense of you know what? I'm so freaking amazing that I can only associate with special and awesome people or they're people who have lots of issues deep-rooted insecurities They have all of these different issues that have built up over time and they will use those against you because they'll use them to Excuse themselves for their bad behaviors. So what it all comes down to is the narcissist may appear to use empathy by choice like a sociopath can. Sociopaths often have also a comorbid condition of OCD, they're also really competitive. But unlike sociopaths and psychopaths, narcissists will take it too far. They will go further than they need to go without concern for what other people think. And I think sometimes that's partially related to intelligence levels, but I think it's also the inflated self-confidence. Whereas a psychopath just doesn't give a shit and a sociopath is going to be more focused on making people think they're okay. Narcissists, when they're wrapped up in their little narcissistic rage and narcissistic injury times, they tend to lose all ability to concern themselves with emotion and that my friend is the the marker of a narcissist is when they get to their bad points they have no empathy. They may never have empathy, but when they get to their bad points the empathy factor is gone. But what it all comes down to is that all of these cluster B personality disorders can be potentially traced back to antisocial personality disorder and we'll talk more about that in the next video. So tell me it's time for the question of the day. You know what that means? question of the day. Were you aware of these differences and if you weren't, did I teach you anything new today and what would you add to this list? Share your thoughts and your, and your ideas in the comments below and let's talk about it. If you have experiences with, I know some of you have experiences with narcissists, would love to hear that. If you have experiences with psychopaths or sociopaths, I would love to hear about that as well because I find this stuff fascinating and it helps me help other people and who knows, maybe you'll save someone's life today by leaving a comment. Give it a shot. All right, I'm wrapping up. Oh, I forgot to mention to you, um, I have a new service. It's a texting service. Uh, it's free. So if you want to be notified whenever I go live, I will text you. You can also get this information by subscribing to me on YouTube and hitting the bell notification symbol. But if you want an extra backup, because I know some people have been upset that they missed my live feeds, you can text Angie Live, that's A N G I E L I V E, nose faces, to 33222. All right, that's 33222. Two, two. I'll put it right here on the screen for you. All right, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for being a part of my day and a part of my life. And hey, thanks for letting me be a part of yours. It really does mean a lot to me. I'll see you soon. It's my mission to teach others what I know to be true. You really can create the life you want. Take care of your body, take care of your soul, nurture the real you, and introduce him or her to the world. Be comfortable in your own skin and in your place in this world. Take your spot, take it now and the universe will take its cue from you. You feel me? If so, subscribe to my channel. Let's get it done together. Today, we're talking about psychopaths, these mystifying cluster B types who may in fact be natural born killers. What is a psychopath and how can you identify one? Well, I'm about to tell you. That's what we're talking about today queenbeing.com. Let's get started. My name is Angie Atkinson and on this channel, I offer free daily video coaching to help you discover, understand and overcome narcissistic abuse and toxic relationships. If that sounds good to you, hit that subscribe button and let's get going. We all know that there are a number of conditions that are commonly comorbid with narcissistic personality disorder. Over the next several weeks, I'm going to go into each of those in detail. We're going to talk about psychopaths this week. We're going to cover a number of factors in depth, so be sure to subscribe to my channel if you haven't yet so that you don't miss one of this series. When I say the word psychopath, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? If you think of a serial killer or some other kind of criminal who is sort of a society outsider or someone who hurts people, you'd be with the majority of the population. But you may or may not know that you could also be married to a psychopath you could be the child of one an employee of one you could be a sibling of a psychopath and not even know it it turns out that psychopaths are hiding among us in plain sight in our society and while we may assume that we could spot one without a problem the truth is that they can be quite undetectable to the average person one example of a psychopath that i used in a recent video was gus spring from breaking god remember that show or more recently the amc spinoff better call Saul. Gus Spring is someone that you would never suspect of being a psychopath. I mean, when you first meet him, he's working at a restaurant and he's like a fair-minded, soft-spoken owner who takes good care of his employees. He is the owner, soft-spoken owner, of a small chain of restaurants that sell chicken. He's unfailingly polite and he does not seem like he could even hurt a fly, right? But later you see him kill someone with zero regret, no expression on his face of, of even he doesn't even seem like it could hurt a fly but you watch him kill someone like it's nothing and you watch him clean himself up take off his pre-planned outfit which is like a rubber suit or something then you watch him clean himself up without a single ounce of remorse or apparent nervousness on his face then you might realize okay that might be a psychopath right what other examples can you think of in television or movies of characters who represent psychopaths tell me about that share your thoughts in the comments below and i may use them in a future video what are the traits of a psychopath then well we're going to start with how a psychopath is diagnosed by a doctor using the Hare psychopathy checklist to highlight the diagnosable traits of a psychopath. This list was developed by Dr. Robert Hare who is a psychology professor at the University of British Columbia. Hare has taught and conducted research for more than 40 years now at that university with most of his career being dedicated to the study of psychopathy. So he knows what he's talking about. So there are 20 items on the checklist and some of those include things you might have heard with narcissists before like superficial charm, a grandiose notion of self-worth, the need for stimulation and impulsiveness. That's sometimes a narcissistic trait, pathological lying, also a narcissistic trait, the ability to manipulate other people, the lack of remorse, the lack of empathy. All sounds like a narcissist. So how do well? we're gonna get to that? Okay, in order to determine someone is psychopathic, doctors will assign score to each of the 20 items on the list. That score is between 0 and 2 points depending on whether the person matches the trait or not. This gives the highest level psychopaths a score of 40, so the most you can score on this test is 40. To give you a little bit of perspective, in the United States, you have to score 30 or above to be considered a psychopath, but in the UK, you can be diagnosed as a psychopath with a score of 25 or above. So I guess, I guess the United States is a little more tolerant of crazy. Interestingly enough, many researchers say that psychopaths seem to have a significant amount of like charisma, and that they tend to kind of really draw people toward them, or at the very least to intrigue people and make them want to know more about them. So this this is probably at least partially due to the fact that they have this ability to charm people and manipulate them. Another reason is that psychopaths are often acting and mimicking normal reactions of the people around them. Studies of psychopaths have found that they also do a lot of mirroring and straight up lying to make people like them more. For empaths and other people who are tuned in, there are signs that can be recognized when it comes to narcissists and also when it comes to psychopaths. They can exhibit fake emotional responses. and. We as empaths or people who are tuned in may notice them kind of slip up a little bit here and there. We might notice that they might have a strange tone sometimes or that their body language is inconsistent with what they're saying. That's part of the reason I do those body language videos y'all. I think that this is directly related to the fact that while psychopaths can mimic normal emotions and normal reactions, they can't actually quite understand those emotions and reactions. So sometimes you can kind of tell that they're sort of play-acting the responses. When it comes to psychopaths and their genuine emotions, you can expect them to be at the very best, shallow and usually brief, short-lived. They kind of explode and move on. They definitely, definitely have an ulterior motive if they allow you to see their emotions. One of the things that psychopaths will do is they will work on making you like them and trust them and my gosh, they're good at it. They will charm you by telling you little insignificant secrets about themselves, which are often lies and they'll offer to help you out with stuff Favors around the house or loaning them money for example or whatever in order to gain your trust later they use these favors against you they will either make you do favors in return that you don't want to do or can't afford to do or shouldn't do or in some cases they may use those favors to help to get you to manipulate someone else on their behalf or to do something they need done that they don't want to do there's one of the qualities of a psychopath highlighted they tend to have a shockingly sharp way and ability to manipulate they often take pleasure in making those manipulations happen. Like narcissists, they often have that air of superiority about them, but unlike narcissists, it's really hard sometimes to see through it, since they don't really require any sort of validation outside of their own selves. So the issue there is, of course, a narcissist, they need supply. A psychopath doesn't need supply. Also like narcissists, they lack remorse, they lack empathy. But unlike narcissists, psychopaths only and 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 let me just stop here narcissists are not always psychopaths but psychopaths are always narcissists so keep that in mind when i'm saying narcissist in this video i mean people who were only narcissistic and pd narcissistic personality disorder but who do not have a comorbid diagnosis of psychopathy like narcissists then Psychopaths lack remorse and they lack empathy, but unlike a plain old narcissist, a psychopath only feels emotion on a shallow level. Narcissists are totally not empathetic, but they feel their own emotions quite deeply. Like many psychological conditions, there can be a spectrum of psychopathy. On the most extreme end, the psychopaths could care less if you live or die. And it's right there that you find the most violent of the criminal psychopaths, including those who torture and murder people. Now it's time, I'm going to give you the full rundown of the 20 criteria that they use to diagnose psychopaths. Glibness and superficial charm. Grandiose sense of self-worth. Pathological lying. Cunning and manipulative. Lack of remorse. Emotional shallowness, callousness, lack of empathy, unwillingness to accept responsibility for actions, a tendency for boredom, a parasitic lifestyle, a lack of realistic long-term goals, impulsivity, irresponsibility, a lack of behavioral control, behavioral problems in early life, juvenile delinquency, criminal versatility, a history of revocation of conditional release, broken parole, multiple marriages, and promiscuous sexual behavior. That's all I've got for you today, but one last point I want to make for you to prepare you for the next video in this series. Psychopaths are born, not made, and while their environment could certainly have an effect on their level of violent behaviors, their chemistry could be more powerful than their environmental influences. Next time we're going to discuss how one becomes a psychopath in more detail. This brings me to the question of the day question of the day. Do you think that you know someone who's a psychopath? What made them stand out for you? How could you tell? And don't forget the other question that I asked in this video was who do you think represents a psychopath in the media today? Share your thoughts in the comments below and tell me what you think. I want to have a discussion about this. I find it fascinating. That's all I've got for you. Like I said, I'm on my way out of here. I'll see you later for another video. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Thanks so much for being a part of my day and a part of my life. And hey, thanks for letting me be a part of yours. It really does mean a lot to me. I'll see you soon. Does the environment matter when you're dealing with a psychopath? That's what we're talking about today at queenbeing.com. Let's get started. My name is Angie Atkinson, and on this channel, I offer free daily video coaching to help you discover, understand, and overcome narcissistic abuse and toxic relationships. I like to call it toxic relationship rehab. If that sounds good to you, Hit that subscribe button and let's get going. So just a quick note before I get started here, um, in order to save us all a little time and to make this go a little more smoothly as I'm teaching you about it, I'm not going to mention the individual studies that I'm discussing during the broadcast, but you can check those out in the description below if you're interested. Just Google them if you want to check them out for yourself. Anywho, psychopaths or people diagnosed with psychopathy are genetically predisposed to the condition or maybe, according to a number of studies, and some of the biggest include those done by Robert Hare, that guy that we talked about yesterday, who created the diagnosis standards for psychopathy. A number of studies have found that there's evidence of a biological basis for psychopathy, including the lack of empathy. How do we know this? Let's start by looking at the studies done on various sets of identical twins, each of whom share an identical set of genes. The twins that were studied were also raised separately and we see that when one twin has an antisocial behavioral disorder, so does the other in most cases. So when one twin has antisocial behavioral history, so does the other in most cases. This is likely to lead to the idea that there is in fact a genetic predisposition for psychopathy and other ASPDs. But what is it about a person's genes that could make a person turn into a psychopath, and is it just the genes? Well, these twin studies have also shown that when it comes to psychopathic traits, including the lack of guilt and remorse, directly and carelessly using and abusing other people, and the lack of empathy, among other traits, well, all of these generated simil- similar results, all of these studies. So when one twin showed the traits, the other was also likely to do so. While it doesn't entirely confirm what researchers believe is true, it certainly doesn't negate it. One recent study found that kids as young as seven years old can demonstrate psychopathic qualities. That's scary, right? Even more recently, studies have been done on the brains of people who are psychopaths that have really cleared things up. After having cat skins done on a series of psychopaths, researchers noticed that the part of the brain usually associated with your emotions, especially the integration of emotion and thoughts with actions, doesn't operate the same way that a normal person's brain does. So, for example, if you were to show a normal person a picture of something that most people would feel strong emotions about, like a mother holding her new baby, you know, right after birth. You guys know what I'm talking about. You ever see those pictures of... On Facebook or whatever, they're still in the hospital bed, The mom just had the baby, that feeling or a wedding, something that makes a normal person feel some kind of emotion. Normal people have this emotion center in their brain that kind of lights up when that happens. But when it came to showing the same images to a psychopath, that part of the brain never responds. There's literally no activity there. The emotional response appears dormant. And the same goes for a bunch of other emotions. The emotional areas of the brain just sort of stay dark for these people, they never show any activity. So at the very least, it looks like there's a genetic influence on the ability to experience empathy and to feel strong emotions, such as guilt, empathy, remorse or any emotions at all. Usually of course guilt, empathy, remorse, these are, these are the same emotions that would prevent most of us from killing or hurting another human being or doing something horrible to them from committing violent crimes. This all adds up to the fact that there's most likely a biological component here to psychopathy. There's a biological component to psychopathy most likely, but while this might seem like a relief for some people, maybe a big problem for some people, it's really not as simple as that. See because there are also other factors to consider like environmental factors or are there? Does the environment affect the development of a psychopath? That's the question. That's what we're going to talk about because studies on psychopathy definitely show some interesting facts here. So first, about half of the differences between psychopathic traits are genetic. That seems to suggest that there's also an environmental influence and for 40 to 60% of the variance between other personality traits and other personality disorders, when we're talking about those characteristics or those traits again, might reflect genetic factors as well, according to research. So what does that mean? Well, clearly psychopathy is a lot like those other traits and disorders in which genetic factors are important, but they don't explain everything. So while specific genes that are related to psychopathy haven't quite been identified yet, researchers also believe that there are multiple genes that may contribute to the development of a psychopath. So most diagnosable genetic conditions would involve multiple genes. So it's not like just one single gene that leads one to become a psychopath. So it's not like we could just isolate a certain specific gene. Another twin's study examined the influence of the environmental factors and the psychopathic traits. How did the environmental factors influence the psychopathic traits and the development and expression of them? The bottom line there, I'm not gonna go through all the details because you'll be bored, I'm sure, but the bottom line there is that the research proved that the environment and the way that they were treated, the individual people were treated by their parents and other people that were inside of that environment, has a pretty serious influence on the way a person turns out. We already knew this. Here's the thing, if a person is pregenetically disposed to being a psychopath and these environmental factors are in place, then the development is almost certain. Whether or not a person is genetically predisposed is is a factor, but it also, in order to have that expressed or in order to have that come out, a person needs to also have, in most cases, are these environmental circumstances. So that that study actually led researchers to caution people and to say, listen, if you have at-risk children, if you see kids who are displaying antisocial behaviors young or they are displaying poor impulse control too early, then or in general, then you should take them to see a psychological or a psychiatric professional ASAP so that you could avoid or help prevent the development of a psychopath. You think about that. Tell me in the comments below, do you think that's a legitimate thing to tell parents or not? I I worry that they would over-medicate some children. They, They were saying that in the studies that children as young as seven years old could be affected by psychopathy, which I found very interesting. So while sociopaths can be produced through just the environmental influence, not to mention the social ones, psychopaths must be, according to what we understand, genetically determined and while both Psychopathy and sociopathy are linked or similar, and while we're at it, NPD, under the big umbrella that is ASPD or antisocial personality disorder, there are various schools of thought that clearly distinguish the two. So the way that a person is brought up could cause a person to act like a psychopath but not be a psychopath more more directly, a sociopath. And if you want, I can do another video on the difference between a sociopath and a psychopath, but I did one the other day about sociopaths, psychopaths and narcissists and what they had in common and what they had different. So you could check that out if you're interested. So sociopaths then are more the products of the adverse environmental experience that affects their automatic nervous system and neurological development and that may lead them to physiological responses that are similar to those of psychopaths. Does that make sense? So antisocial personality disorder then and its umbrella is considered a legal and a clinical label that may be applied to both psychopaths and sociopaths. I find it all very interesting question of the day is (laughs) the question of the day is what would you add to this list? Do you know any psychopaths? Do you know any sociopaths? Do you know anyone like that? Share your thoughts in the comments below. Now stay tuned for my next video because I'm going to talk about sex and the psychopath. And I think you're going to want to hear this one. All right. If you haven't yet hit that subscribe button and that's all I've got for you right now. Have a wonderful day. I'll see you soon. Thank you so much for being a part of my day and a part of my life. And hey, thanks for letting me be a part of yours. It really does mean so much to me. It's my mission to teach others what I know to be true. You really can create the life you want. Take care of your body. Take care of your soul. Nurture the real you and introduce him or her to the world. Be comfortable in your own skin and in your place in this world. Take your spot. Take it now. And the universe will take its cue from you. You feel me? If so, subscribe to my channel. Let's get it done together. Psychopaths, they're notoriously hostile, they're notoriously extroverted, they're self-confident, they're impulsive, they're aggressive and some people say they experience mild to moderate anxiety. What do you get when you roll all of those things together into one package when it comes to sex? That's what we're talking about today Queenbeing.com, sex and the psychopath. Let's get going. My name is Angie Atkinson and on this channel, I offer free daily video coaching to help you discover, understand and overcome narcissistic abuse in toxic relationships. I like to call it toxic relationship rehab. Does that sound good to you? If so, hit that subscribe button and let's get going. So it's a well known fact that psychopaths do not experience great relationships and they don't, they don't give good love. In fact, they don't give love at all because psychopaths are incapable of feeling the the strong, deep emotions like love. Because there's such a disconnect when it comes to their emotions, psychopaths aren't capable of trusting other people. So if you ever meet a psychopath or, and, you, and you speak to one, you might feel almost, if you're an empath like we are, you, almost, you might feel like a, a coldness or a, a layer between you where you can't quite get them to connect with you in a way that a normal person can. While psychopaths do have sex on a regular-ish basis, depending on the person, and they do engage in various types of romantic relationships, they have sex in a way that's different than most everyone else in the world. So if we look at the most upsetting qualities of a psychopath or the things that are most disconcerting for non-psychopaths, you will find that, as I mentioned at the beginning of this video, they're aggressive, they're hostile, they're extroverted, they're impulsive, but self-confident and they tend to carry around a little bit of anxiety, OCD issues sometimes. While the everyday average psychopath never commits an illegal crime, they do kind of tiptoe along ethical lines pretty often, even if they do commit a crime. They may never commit an actual crime, but they certainly will walk through their lives and, and tiptoe on the line of what's ethical, what's not and blatantly hurt people in their lives without a second thought. They have no guilt, no remorse. They don't feel those things. So the traits of a psychopath tend to be very upsetting to us as empaths and to just people in general, especially when we apply them to sex and relationships. So for most people, sex tends to be both an emotional and a physical connection. It feels intimate to be sex or sexual with someone for most people, but unfortunately for the people who get involved with psychopaths, they don't connect that way. They may appear to when it's convenient for them, just like a standard narcissist, but unfortunately, they're not capable of having that sustained lasting lifelong real life connection generally like a standard narcissist a psychopath is all about just getting his or her own needs met and this is always done regardless of what it makes other people feel or how other people are affected and then because the psychopaths aren't generally connected to another person in a mutual consensual manner obviously in romantic relationships or otherwise there are no healthy sexual relationships when it comes to dealing with a psychopath While they might be super sexy, they might be super good at seducing you into bed, you are, you know, by nature, they are psychopaths sort of draw us in because they're so different than other people that we know. And you know, I'm going to liken this again to that True Blood show uh, on HBO. If you look at the vampires and you look at the fairies, you know, psychopaths, narcissists, they're the vampires. We can't feel them. So we're fascinated by them, just like the fairies can't hear their thoughts. So they're fascinated by them. Just in the same way. The fairies smell and, and and taste good <laughs> to the vampires because they have this light. Literally, if the vampire eats the fairy, the vampire can walk in the light where the vampire could not otherwise do that. Just in the same fashion, narcissists by associ- and psychopaths by associating with an empath can manipulate them and in some ways also stand in the light. You feel me? The thing is when it comes to a psychopath, the process is more calculated, it's more of a game in the unhealthy sense than it is for your standard person. It's not so much emotional, it's not so much something that comes from the heart or even from the the groin, it's something that comes from this place of wanting to win this game. Here's another thing about psychopaths and sex, they are notoriously unfaithful They are notorious cheaters and they're promiscuous. Whether they're in a relationship or not, they have no concern about who they're sleeping with and how that affects the person they're sleeping with and they certainly don't care how it affects the person they have at home if there is one. They will often have children with random people. They have no problem coercing someone into sex. They have no problem raping people, forcing sex, men and women. And yes, men can be raped as well. Psychopaths often have a raging sexual desire. Their desire is beyond the level of desire that most people experience, even when we're talking about sex addicts. But at the same time, there's a flip side of that, in which some psychopaths who have been reported as saying that they don't care about sex. They'll have sex if it's available to them. They don't go around looking for it. They don't, sex to them is not a thing. It's not, it's just a a means to an end or it's a, a manipulation tactic or Yeah, it's fun sometimes whenever they don't have a big issue with it. Psychopaths are very interesting creatures if you don't have to be married to them. So what turns a psychopath on? This one's a little scary. It's power. Sex to a psychopath is a position of power. So if a psychopathic male is going to gain power over a woman, for example, he will have sex with her. Then he knows that she will probably trust him more, give him more money or whatever other benefit he's going to get out of it and then you know what? He's gonna get it and he's gonna get it good and she's gonna like it. What happens is that if you have sex with a psychopath, you can become very addicted because they, from all reports, are generally kind of exciting in bed. They, they have this animalistic quality about them that we can't help but enjoy on a base level. It's not a good thing. I mean, maybe it's a good thing during the process of it, but it's not a good thing when it comes down to our own lives being affected by it. But how is it possible that they could be so good in bed if they are good in bed? Well, generally, it's just like everything else. Psychopaths are great actors when it comes to emotion, when it comes to public displays of affection, when it comes to sex in the bedroom, when it comes to acting like they give a crap about somebody. Psychopaths aren't capable of deep emotions and so they fake it sometimes just to kind of look normal in society. For example, if their grandma died, they might not have a tear to shed but they may pretend to be super sad and depressed about it in order to appear normal. They practice being normal in some areas that you and I can't even imagine having to pretend to be normal in. For example, you know, when someone we know passes away or, or someone goes through a tragedy, it's our first instinct to reach out and say, I'm so sorry, is there anything I can do to help? And mean it, right? But a psychopath has to practice saying, I'm so sorry to sound like they mean it. I'm so sorry. 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 You see what I'm saying? Psychopaths have to think about it really hard. You know, they may practice it in the mirror to make sure that they sound normal. They may listen to someone say it on television in different ways and pick one and by the time they get to it, they'll sound absolutely like they mean it. The same goes for professing love to tell telling someone, oh my god, I'm so in love with you. They can, they'll can they practice it. They'll watch a movie and or or they'll hear a friend say it to someone or they'll listen to something on the internet. This is how you, you know, enunciate this kind of thing. It's all about mirroring normal people in order to get connected to people for different reasons. So let's say that there is a psychopathic woman and she meets this regular nice guy who happens to have a lot of money. Her goal might be to have sex with him to the point that he trusts her and wants to share some of the money with her. If it is a male psychopath, he may want the same thing or he may look for someone who is into rape fantasies. For example, that's another psychopath. Psychopaths tend to enjoy the rape fantasy. They tend to enjoy forced sex. So just. Stereotypical things because the fact of the matter is every individual person is different. I'm just talking on a statistical Basis here one important thing. I think that's really I just want to pull it out and show it to you one more time is that psychopaths frequently are digging into everything psychopaths are promiscuous, but their promiscuous behavior is not because they're sex addicts It's not because they're so into getting it. It's not about any of that. You know what it's about? psychopathic people are statistically speaking More likely to be promiscuous. Also statistically speaking, they are less likely to be associated with commitment to another person, at least actual commitment. They may pretend to commit, but they never 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 stop cheating if it's convenient for them. Here's the interesting thing. Psychopaths don't get it the way they do. They don't go running around having sex with everybody because like they're so into it. They go running around having sex with everybody because it's a means to an end, because they always have their eye on a prize, a goal, which may include sex. The goal may include having sex for the purpose of taking the next step, or it may include having sex for the purposes of being in power and in control and dominating a situation. Plus when a psychopath has sex with a person, stranger or otherwise, it allows them a certain amount of insight into that individual person, it allows them to get close to that person at their most vulnerable moments, in their most vulnerable state. So if someone is lonely, that's how a psychopath jumps in. If someone is feeling sad or depressed or alone in the world, the psychopath goes, oh, that's my kind of person and they jump right on it because this allows the psychopath to reach out to someone who's most susceptible to abuse, most susceptible to their twisted ideas of what is exciting, of what is healthy or not. And a lot of times, how they get in the door is they make the person feel as though they're too good to be true. And the person goes, Oh my god, you're too good to be true. Well the person mirrors, psychopath mirrors back to the person, you're too good to be true too. This is the person I wanted for my whole life, la la la. It's a whole thing. So psychopaths, they're good in bed, right? (laughs) According to what my research tells me. Uh, psychopaths are hardwired to get it. They're, they're hardwired to have sex. They have a ton of energy. They are always looking for excitement, adrenaline rushes. They need it in order to feel anything at all. Since sex tends to be one of the most stimulating types of human behaviors that we have. Psychopaths need it. They want it. They got to, got to have it when it's convenient for one. They want it early. They want it often. They often have sex at very young ages and they often do frequent engagements of sex. Again, I want to point out to you that there are some psychopaths who are totally not sexual, but those are different situations and not always directly connected to biology as the psychopaths that we're speaking about today are. Psychopaths, in addition, why are they so weird, in addition to all those things, they have no guilt and no shame. So they have no problem being weird in bed. They have no problem being like, you know, a man. In fact, I just heard this from a client the other day, some narcissistic person she hadn't been with, who was an abuser, actually wanted himself to wear lingerie to bed and Wanted her to wear things that allowed her to be performing as the man. Yeah, so whatever I'm not I'm not judging anybody's sex lives I'm not saying it's weird or wrong or bad What I'm saying is this person was claiming to be an entirely heterosexual male and then it rolled out like this Psychopath, I don't know Narcissist, yeah weird. Maybe they tend to have seriously voracious appetites for sex. They tend to be very strange. Anything goes when it comes to sex. And psychopaths tend to be not pansexual, but any sexual anytime. What I mean is they'll have sex with men or women, sometimes animals, sometimes other kinds of combinations, and they have no concern for what anyone thinks. There are no societal boundaries for them and no relationship boundaries. So sex with a psychopath ultimately can be awesome and amazing in the moment and then scary and horrible in the moment and never ever ever real long-term relationship kind of sex. Psychopaths can't love. So that's all I've got for you today. Here's the question of the day. Question of the day. What do you think about sex and psychopaths and how would you categorize these people and their desires? Have you ever been with a psychopath in a romantic relationship? And how did the sex go for you? Share your thoughts and your comments below and let me know what you think. If you'd like me to talk more about psychopaths in the future, give me a like and leave me a comment on this video, okay? Thanks so much for being a part of my day and a part of my life and hey, thanks for helping me be a part of yours. It really does mean a lot to me. I'll see you soon. Have a wonderful weekend. It's my mission to teach others what I know to be true. You really can create the life you want. Take care of your body. Take care of your soul. Nurture the real you and introduce him or her to the world. Be comfortable in your own skin. And in your place in this world take your spot take it now and the universe will take its cue from you you feel me if so subscribe to my channel let's get it done together